If you are new with us here today, uh, we want to give you a little encouragement. Give it up for our first-time guests here. Awesome. All across our campuses. Our Bandit campus, our Franklin campus, our online campus. If you're watching for the first time, we welcome you. And uh, we're in a series right now called More Blessed. And I just, I really have to, I cannot move past the, the, what we just heard from the World Vision uh, Ministry. That was unbelievable. Can you believe that we raised $94,000? You guys did that. To provide clean water, clean water for almost 1,800 little people in Africa. Thank you so much. Just like the little girl that was up here. And so what a fantastic uh, just act of generosity. I told you a couple weeks ago, if you've been coming for a while, that I look forward to the day where someone picks up the phone and calls me and says, Pastor Danny, like... How come your people are so generous? We don't understand. Like all of this money's going out and they're blessing all these different places and ministries. And, and I cannot wait for that phone call. You guys are headed in that direction. And I just want to give you encouragement and give glory to God for that. So again, welcome for, for your first time guests with us here, here today. We are in a series called More Blessed. What a perfect series to tie into what we just heard from the World Vision team. Jesus said this in Acts chapter 20, verse 35. Say it with me. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. I think we can all quote that together by now. This is week number three. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive, right? Pretty simple statement. Jesus said that. The one that we call Lord, the one that we call Master, the one that we call Savior tells us there's a better way to happiness. There's more happiness available to us if we'll become a person who gives rather than just receives, which is counterintuitive, isn't it? And we all understand the, the joy and the happiness that comes when we receive a gift. It's a lot of fun. Father's Day, Mother's Day, maybe Christmas, birthdays. There's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun and there's a lot of happiness connected to opening up a present and receiving that. Jesus says, I know a way to experience even more happiness. That's what the word blessed means. More happiness than receiving, and that is to give. And so we've been talking about generosity and living a better life, and, and Jesus invites us into this thing called abundant life. And it's a, it turns out to be a life where we're others-focused. The problem is, is that when we look at the statistics and we look at reality, and what's really happening is that those who call ourselves Christ followers are not very generous. The average Christ follower basically gives away 3% of their income. That's not very generous. Only 12% of Christ followers return 10% or the tithe to their local church. That's not very generous. Why is that? Why is it that our Lord and Master says there's a, there's a, a better way to live, it's, it's being generous, and yet his followers, people like me and you, struggle to be generous? Why is that? Well, we talked about number, week number one, we simply struggled to believe what he said. Like, is it really true? And, you know, Dallas Willard has said to believe something is to act as if it's so. And so if we're not acting generous, we must not believe that there's more happiness in giving than there is in getting. And so I laid out a challenge to you in week number one if you saw the talk there. If you missed it, you can go back and watch it on the podcast. And last week we talked about another reason why we're not very generous is because we've idolized money. We've turned money into a God. And if it's God to me, if it answers the deep questions of my soul, like identity and happiness and security and contentment, well, then I cannot part with it in any significant way because I'm literally giving away what I need. And if I need it, I can't give it to you. 
And so we talked about how to overcome that obstacle by making God God in our life and not money and dethroning money. And when that happens, when God becomes God in our life, generosity becomes natural, it becomes easy, I can begin to give it away. And so that was last week. Now today, today, well before I talk about today, I've been challenging you with this thing called the $10 challenge. How many of you guys have jumped in on the $10 challenge? Oh, that just thrills my heart. You say, what's the $10 challenge? It's basically 10% of 10%. If the average income in this area is $50,000, it turns out to be 10% of that turns out to be about $415. Some of you are like, that's too much. That's too big. Are you crazy? I can't believe that. Well, 10% of that is about $40, which turns out to be $10 a week. We have had 101 families jump in on the $10 challenge. Isn't that exciting? No, it's not exciting. Come on, that's exciting. We have had 167 total participants, total families jump in. Uh, some gifts were a little bit more than $10, some a little bit less, uh, but we've had 167 families jump in. Our offering last week, get this, this is unbelievable, so proud of you guys, was $125,000, which was $29,000 more than the same weekend last year. Can we give God praise for that? Awesome. You guys are responding. I love it. I'm so proud of you. Keep it up. So today, what do I want to talk about? I want to talk about the third obstacle to generosity, and that is debt. Debt. In your notes, I wrote it like this. Giving is difficult. Generosity is difficult because we owe too much to too many. CNBC came out with a study recently that said the average credit card debt in our nation now per individual is $6,375 per person. So for a family, if you've got a family of three, if there are three adults in a home, you know, you're well over $15,000 just in credit card debt. That's not counting your car payment. That's not counting your mortgage payment. Personal credit card debt now exceeds $1 trillion. It's mind-blowing how much Americans owe. And I know there's some people watching in different nations, and that, that's just what's going on here in America $1 trillion in credit card debt. Not only does credit card debt or personal debt prevent generosity, I want to talk a little bit about the dangers of debt before we move on to how it hinders generosity. Personal debt causes stress. Personal credit card debt causes anxiety. Studies are, there are studies out there right now that say that if a person has between twenty-five dollars and $50,000 of personal debt, and that includes some, the car payments and the credit cards and all that stuff, 28% struggle with clinical depression that's connected to the debt, according to Sands & Associates, which is a, a debt con consolidation firm. 18% of those people have suicidal thoughts on a regular basis because of the debt Debt is oppressive, it hits us emotionally, it hits us physically. The, the couples that divorce, that they say, you know what they point to as one of the major causes of divorce? What do they point to? Financial stress, which is connected to the pressure of debt. It doesn't just prevent generosity, it can destroy your marriage, it can destroy your life. And I have to make mention of this. Jerome Rogers is a guy that, that I, I did a little research on. He's a young kid, 22 years old. He grew up in the UK, and he got this job as a courier, and he was, he was basically delivering blood from hospital to hospital, and the way that he did it was through a motorcycle. 
And one day he was out there delivering his blood and he made a lane violation and he got pulled over and got a fine for 65 pounds, which is equivalent to, you know, about the same amount in American dollars, a little bit more. He had 14 days to pay it. If he didn't pay it in 14 days, the fine doubled. Well, sure enough, he couldn't pay it and it doubled. Then he got another lane violation and he couldn't pay that one. And the debt was sold to a third party, a collections agency, and they began to text him and call him and pressure him to make these payments. Long story, I I can't get into all these details, but you can check it out on YouTube. James Rogers. Not James Rogers, Jerome Rogers. Well, it turns out they said, hey, if you don't pay this debt, we're going to put a clamp on your bike. And the button of the bike was the source to deliver the blood, which was the source of the income. So sure enough, they clamped his tire, and, and long story short, he was researching payday loans and all kinds of stuff to try to get out of the situation. He was also researching how to end your life. And he gave into the pressure, and at 20-some years old, he committed suicide because of some lane violations. See, see here, here's what, and this isn't the one story, like, oh, it's just one story. There's dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of stories of people who just psychologically and emotionally cannot handle the pressure of the debt. It's a dangerous thing. No wonder Warren Buffett said this about personal credit card debt. Avoid credit cards. Just forget about them. Hey, students, pay attention. I know there's some young people here getting ready to go to college. Isn't it interesting when you go to college, those of us who went, you, go, you get on campus, what do they offer? One of the first things they offer to you is what? A credit card. It's like it never made sense to me. Like, here, you can spend money you don't have. Here's a mug if you sign up. Here's a t-shirt if you sign up. I never did get the t-shirt or the mug because it just never made sense to me to, to use money that didn't belong to me. But we do. It happens all the time. Warren Buffett says this, multi-multi-billionaire, you guys are the greatest investor probably of our lifetime. Avoid credit cards. Just forget about them. You can't make progress in your financial life going around borrowing money at 18%. Please, please pay attention. If you're younger, Sometimes it's, 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 it's easier to avoid a problem than to try to recover from a problem. What if you could just avoid personal debt altogether? Because you're 18 years old and you don't have a credit card yet. It's, it doesn't only prevent generosity, it can destroy our lives. So how, how do we get into debt? It's really simple. There's really one way that it happens. More, more money goes out than comes in. It's a very, very simple equation. More is going out. And coming in. And there's five ways that this happens. There's more than five, okay, but there's just there's five basic ways that this happens. The first one is poor money management skills. Poor money management skills. Not staying, sticking to a budget, not having a budget, not tracking your money, and before you know it, you know, you're spending more than is coming in. Dave, I love what Dave Ramsey says. He put it this way personal finance is about 80% behavior, 20% knowledge. The problem with my money and the problem with your money is not math. Here's the real problem. The problem is the idiot I shave with every morning. If I can get that guy to behave, I can be skinny and rich. (laughs) What is he pointing to here, folks? He's pointing to poor money management habits or a lack of money management habits altogether. Month after month after month, sure enough, more is coming out than it's coming in, and you got a bunch of debt. Number two, people lose their jobs. Loss of employment happens. People are paycheck to paycheck. They need their check to pay their bills. They lose their job. They lose their check. They can't pay their bills. The debt mounts. Number three, unmet expectation. I'm sorry, unexpected emergencies. That was a marriage talk I was thinking there. Unmet expectations. Okay. 
<laughs> unexpected emergencies. Things happen, trees fall on cars, people get cancer, they get sick, they have accidents, you know, the, the washer and dryer, you know, get water everywhere in the house and you got to replace the floors and the carpets, just stuff happens. Anybody have some stuff happen to you? <laughs> and it's expensive, right? Especially if you don't have medical insurance or if you have medical insurance, but it's not enough and oh my gosh, you know, the sickness went longer than you thought and the hospital stay went longer than you thought. You got this mountain of, of, of debt, Number four, college tuition. This is fascinating to me. The, the second largest debt that people carry today underneath their mortgage is their college debt. $1.5 trillion. That's just in America. Again, if you're watching from another country, I'm not sure about what it is. In other, but in America, $1.5 trillion. The average college student now graduates with $37,000 in debt. I thought it was more. $37K. It just, it's oppressive you, know, you graduate college, you're ready to get into life, and oh, you got this big ball and chain connected to you called debt. And the last one is just keeping up. Just, just you know, your friends get a deck on the back of their house. They're like, honey, maybe we should get a deck on the back of our house, you know. You know, you, know, you see the, the Joneses, right? And that what we say, keeping up with the Joneses? They got a new Yukon. Maybe we should get a new Yukon for $600 a month. You know what I'm talking about? And it's just, you know, it's like, well, we should keep up. You know, you see the way she's dressing, I need to start to dress that way. Or, you, you know, styles change, I need a new style, I need the new sweaters, they just came out. And it's just this whole, you know, pressure to keep up with what everybody else is doing. You've probably heard it said, I know I've heard it said, we buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't even like. This is what we do, and, and we do that month after month, and we don't track it, and then an unexpected emergency happens, and then we lose a job, and somebody gets sick, and before you know it, you've got mountains of debt. Sometimes it's gambling. Sometimes a divorce can cause, can cause it. There's, there are other causes for debt, but those are the five main causes. Whatever the cause is, here's how it happens. More money's going out than is coming in. What does the Bible say about debt? It's very simple. The Bible says that debt will make a slave out of you. Isn't that fun? Anybody want to sign up for some slavery? This is, this is what they offer you. You walk onto a college campus, they say, get your chains in exchange for a coffee mug <laughs> or a t-shirt or a free pen. Thank you, I'll take that credit card at 18%. Sign me up for some slavery. What does the Bible say? Proverbs 22, verse seven. The rich rules over the poor and the borrower is the, say it with me, the slave of the lender. Well, how does debt turn you and me into a slave? Well, think about it with me. If every month I have to pay MasterCard and Visa and Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, are those still their names? <laughs> and American Express? And you know you got Target in there. Come on, ladies. You know you love you some Target. <laughs> you know something magical about Target or demonic. It just depends on how you look at it. <laughs> so you got Visa, MasterCard, you got some Target, you got maybe a Kohl's card. Kohl's is a tough one to resist, especially that Kohl's cash coming back to you. You got this balance. And so you got all these people telling you on a monthly basis, every 30 days, you know, the mortgage people are chasing you, the car people are chasing you, the credit card people are chasing you down and they're telling you what are they telling you they're telling you where your money the money you earned the money God has given to you 
They're telling you where it needs to go. Are they not? Yes or no? They remind you. And these people are your masters. So the, the, the lender, the one who gave you some cash, is now going to dictate to you where the money needs to go. And if you don't pay it, they will let you know. Won't they? And they will chase you down. And then what happens is, you, you know, you live in a community just like I live in a community. And you find out that so-and-so can't pay their rent. You find out that young family is trying to adopt a child and you'd love to help. You find out your church is trying to launch a multi-site or trying to help, you know, build an orphanage somewhere in Haiti or something like that. Because you, you, you live in the same community I do and you hear about these things and, and in your heart you feel moved. Like, man, I'd love to help. I'd love to help with that. I'd love to be able to write a check for $500 to help my friends adopt that child they would love to. I'd love to help my church and they're trying to do this and clean water for kids in Africa or whatever. But, but my master's are telling me I cannot. My masters are telling me, you will not, you will pay me. And that is how debt turns us into a slave. And that, folks, is how debt prevents or hinders generosity. So how do we defeat this thing? We've got to get free. We've got to get free of this thing called debt. Well, there's really only two ways that I know of. I mean, I've thought about this, thought about this. And it's, it's, what I'm going to share with you is simple, but it is difficult. It is not complicated, but it is hard, okay? There are two ways to get out of debt so that you can become the type of person who is generous. The first one is you have to have a strong enough reason. You have to have a strong enough reason. What do I mean by that? Well, I believe that Getting out of debt is very similar to losing weight. How many of you have ever tried to lose 20 pounds? Good, good. It's not. Don't be ashamed. It's just we live in a world of pizza and hot dogs and you know, French fries and good stuff. And so we tend to you know slip away off our diet or whatever. We gain some weight and then we try to maybe lose some because summer's coming. You know, bathing suit season, all that stuff. And so you go down this. You try to lose. You try to lose some weight. And so. If you've ever tried to lose some weight, or if you have, and if, if you haven't, if you've tried and lost, or you, you know, didn't, didn't do it, or failed to do it, you know that losing weight requires this thing called self-discipline. Now, how, who's excited about self-discipline? I'm going to do a whole series on it one day. I'm, I'm gonna, we're just going to title, the title of the series is going to be called Self-Discipline. You know, church attendance is going to go through the roof. Brian Tracy said it this way. I think he said it. I don't really know who said it, but I love this definition. Self-discipline is the ability to do what you need to do when you need to do it, regardless of how you, say it with me, feel. The problem with me and the problem with you is that we are feelings-driven people, aren't we? I just don't feel like it. I don't feel like going to the gym today. I don't feel like sticking. I don't feel like having another salad with carrots and, you know, oil and vinegar. I don't feel like it. What I feel like is having a juicy cheeseburger, right? And what I feel like is a bowl of ice cream, what I feel like. And so because we're feelings-driven people, feelings are very powerful, we often lack self-discipline and we get off the diet. And the same thing uh, applies to money. It's like the budget says, you know, we cannot spend this. We're going to spend our money this way. Well, oh man, I really feel like I need those new brown shoes. 
and they'll match my pants. And, and I really feel like I, I remember telling my wife years and years and years ago before we ever heard about Dave Ramsey, I, I, had, this, I, I had this Ford Topaz. It was a Mercury Topaz, it wasn't even a Ford. It was a Mercury Topaz. Remember those cars? And I was a high school pastor, and, and I remember some of my high school students had nicer cars than the youth pastor, okay? I didn't feel very good. I felt like I needed a new car. And I was, I was a little embarrassed about the car. After all, it was the car my father-in-law bought my wife. It was her high school car. That was now my manhood adult car. Anyway, okay, I just put things in perspective. And all these feelings and embarrassment and shame about this car, you know, that had no muffler. So you know how that sounds. Remember the no muffler? Ay. And so I felt like I needed a new car. So that led me where? Right into the, you know, into debt. We're feelings driven people. And when we feel stuff, we, we often don't do what we need to do when we need to do it, regardless of how we feel. And so we get off the diet or we get off the budget or whatever. I told my wife that this definition the other day, it was seven o'clock in the morning or so, and I said, honey, self-discipline. Guys, this isn't a good example of husbanding, so just, just, this is just what happened. I said, honey, um, self-discipline is, is doing what you need to do when you need to do it, regardless of how you feel. And she looked at me and she said, I hate self-discipline. <laughs> I'm glad she didn't say, I hate you. <laughs> Don't shoot the messenger, right? Okay, anyway, so how does a person develop self-discipline? How does that actually work? There's only one way. Having a strong enough reason. It's the reason. If In your notes, I wrote it like this. If the reason is strong enough, you'll execute. If the reason is strong enough, you'll execute. This, this week, um, I, I, I just sent a message to a friend of mine, Brian and Sherry Lowe. They, they wrote two books their first book was called Slaying the Debt Dragon. They paid off $127,000 in four years. They wrote a book about it. They attend church here with us. And, uh, and then their second book just came out called Your Money, Your Marriage. And uh, the subtitle says, The Secrets to Smart Finance, Spicy Romance, and Their Intimate Connection. They, they wanted to title this book um, Financial Foreplay. <laughs> But their publisher thought that was a little too risque. So uh, they ended up with your money, your marriage. And, and, and so I, I knew that this is the world they live in. And they write about it. They blog about it. They were on Relevant Magazine. They just did some cool stuff. And so I asked her, I said, when you were paying off the debt, you and Brian, what was your motivation? And, and I got to read you what she, what she sent me. This is great. This is, this, is, she, this is what she said. Our biggest motivator was asking the big questions about how our world would look different if we weren't putting out so many payments or paying so many payments and interest. Asking the question, how could our day-to-day -day lives look different? How could our girls' future, they have two daughters, how could our girls' future look different? How could our local faith community, our church, look different if we didn't have these payments and interest? And how could the kingdom of God move forward if we didn't have these payments and interest? And then she says this, that set my soul on fire. And there it was. She had her reason. She pictured what the future would be like if she wasn't, if her and Brian weren't in so much debt. And so then she went on to tell me that now on the other side of paying off this $127,000 worth of personal debt, that they're still out of debt even today, praise God. Now she said, here's what we're able to do. We're able to walk into a restaurant and pick up somebody's check. 
We're able to walk into a grocery store and pay for somebody's groceries. We're able to give to missionaries we want to give to. We're, any, this is what she said. Anything that is awesome that we want to give to, we can freely give to it. Now, is that not freedom or what? Is that not breaking free from the chains of debt, yes or no? And then she told me this story, and I'll make it quick. She said, I was in Aldi the other day, and we, for whatever reason they have, I didn't ask her, but they have a passion to help veterans. And she said, I was in Aldi, and, behind, and I was behind a guy, and he was paying for his groceries, and he had his uniform on. And so she stepped forward and she paid for all of his groceries. And she said, the gentleman turned around and she said, thank you so much. I, I, uh, I just need to let you know, no one, since I've been home, no one has said thank you. In fact, since I've been home, I've been called baby killer. And she said to him in that moment, I just need you to know something right now. God loves you in this moment. Then she said this to me in the text. She said, that experience would not have been possible if we were still in debt. And there it is. Reasons. If, let me say it again, if your reasons are strong enough, you will execute. Execute what? Well, that's the second part of the plan. You have to have a proven plan. You have to follow a plan. There's always a plan. Anybody who's getting in shape, it's got a plan. A workout plan, a diet plan, anybody who's doing anything, they have a plan. Anybody who's writing a book, they have a plan. Anybody who's starting a business, they have a plan, they have a plan. Anybody who's got a great marriage, they have a plan. They stick to a proven plan. If you want to get out of debt, you need a proven plan. Listen to what the Bible says, King Solomon, one of the wisest people to ever live. Good, say it with me, good planning and hard work. Where's the hard work going to come from? Your reasons. The reasons that you have, the vision that you have for why you want to be out of debt. Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts leads to poverty. There's a proven plan out there called the debt snowball. Some of you have heard it. Dave Ramsey is famous for it. It's the best plan for a person to get out of personal credit card debt or personal debt. Here's how it looks. There's five steps. Number one, step number one to the debt snowball, make a list. Make a list of your debts from smallest to greatest. Just go ahead and list them out. Target, MasterCard, student loan, car payment, whatever they are. Just list them out. Step number two, make all the minimum payments to everything that you have down there, right? Smallest debt to the largest debt. You make all the minimum payments. Do not miss a payment. That causes lots of problems. Step number three, go find some extra money. Just go, go get some extra money. Where are you going to get some extra money? Well, you might sell a car. You might get rid of cable. You might get a part-time job if it doesn't mess up your family, your schedule or values or whatever. You're going to go find some cash. What does Dave say? Sell everything but the kids. That's the way Dave Ramsey says it, okay? You are going to get gazelle intense about finding some extra money from two to 300 If you're really passionate, $400 a month. You're going to go find it. You're going to stop going to get the lattes. You're going to stop going to, you know, you're going to stop going out to eat so much. You're going to get that cash. Step number four, you pay off the smallest debt. You pay, just pay off the smallest debt. What was the first one? Was the first one Target? Let's go back to Target. We'll have some fun here, okay? Remember all those shoes that you liked and all the things that you had to get and you didn't really plan on it? Somehow Target has a way of getting you to purchase stuff you didn't plan on purchasing. But now it's accumulated to about $700 worth of debt on your credit card bill there. 
And so what you do is you take that three or $400 plus the minimum payment and you sock it down on the Target debt. And after about two or three months, Target is gone. It's completely wiped out. You've stopped your spending and you've paid it off. How did you pay it off? You found extra money. And then step number five, you repeat the process. You go to number two. Well, let's say number two is a MasterCard. There was $1,000 on there because you had to repair the, the washer and dryer or whatever you had to do. You had that emergency and you charged it. Now you take that $300 plus the minimum payment to Target. Then you take the minimum payment for MasterCard, add the $300 to that, and you pay that down. Guess what? After about three or four months, MasterCard is gone. Then you go down to number three and you repeat the process until the whole entire list is paid off. Here's what's fascinating. Dave Ramsey says that for a person who follows the debt snowball with intensity and they stop going further into debt and they stop their spending and they follow it just like he lays it out. In fact, you can watch a whole video on this online if you go to DaveRamsey.com. You can, see, you, can see, you can get a very, very practical example of the numbers of how they work. A person who follows the debt snowball to a T on average pays off their entire personal debt not their mortgage, but their entire personal debt in 18 to 24 months. Is that not amazing? In 18 to 24 months, you can be completely out of debt. No longer a slave to any masters. And you can begin to live a life like Brian and Sherry Lowe. Imagine if you didn't have a $400 card payment. Imagine if you didn't have a $300 MasterCard payment. Imagine... Just put the numbers together and think about what you can do in your community, in your church, for the people around you. Whenever you see needs, you can jump in and you can bless them. Freedom. You got to have strong enough reasons and you have to follow a proven plan. Right now, I want you to hear a story of two people that are special to me. And um, their names are Ryan and Lauren Roller. I was, the, I was lucky enough to be their youth pastor. So I've been the senior pastor here for 12 years. You go back, I was five years the high school pastor here. These two uh, kids came into my ministry. They were in high school. They were awesome back then. They started dating. I tried to get them to stop dating because I didn't believe in dating. I still don't in high school. Another sermon for another day. Anyway. They ended up dating. They ended up getting married. And this young couple has been in Emmanuel for... 15 years or so, maybe even longer. And they have put their finances in order. They're still, I don't even think they're 30 yet. If they're 30, they maybe just turned 30. They have put their finances in order in such a way that they can begin to bless people. And I just, please, please, this, their story is a picture of what is possible for you in maybe 18 to 24 months. Check out Ryan and Lauren's story right here. My name is Ryan Roller. I'm Lauren Roller, and we have been married for 11 years. And been going to Emmanuel about 14, 15 years now. Yeah, so generosity, at least from what I've seen, it starts with a faith in God within your situation. And that's what really where we started is where we were lacking was faith within our finances. We were spending more than what was coming in. Um, and, and really through our last small group, uh, with our last small group leaders, we went through a lesson on generosity and we said, instead of tipping the church, we're gonna actually tithe. And instead of having negative balance each month, we're really gonna look at our bills and see what, see what it looks like. Yeah, I feel like if we never would have gotten our budget under control and taken that action step, we wouldn't have been able to do foster care. We wouldn't have been in the financial situation 
um, to be able to do that. As our faith increased, God blessed us more and more. And I think that's really from a starting point on the phases, that's where it starts. And then it goes from there to action of, okay, you've got faith and now let's move to action of what is God calling me to do? And then constantly trying to understand his will through the situation as you're moving forward. After watching our small group leaders, Stacy and Sean, go through their adoption journey, I really felt like God was calling us into foster care. I prayerfully went to Ryan, knowing that he would be pretty hesitant to it. Uh, we knew we were done having kids, uh, but we had talked about potentially adopting. We looked into multiple areas and venues of doing that. Uh, we prayed about it for a long time. Uh, I got nudged in the back multiple times from Lauren that, that we needed to do this. I really started praying about it and um, I just felt super called that that is something that our family should be doing. We've been doing foster care for about three years now. Yeah, we've fostered two kiddos and then we've actually adopted our first placement. And so our second placement is still with us through uh, foster care. And that doesn't happen very often. I feel like very blessed that it was very, it seemed like relatively a very simple process. It wasn't simple, but relative to other situations. And then we've got another foster kid with us now. And it seems like he was meant to be with us. For people who aren't currently um, practicing generosity, I can't explain all of the amazing things that Ryan and I have been able to see behind the scenes that happen um, once you start being generous. It just brings so much joy to both of us to be able to sit back and watch uh, you know, others' lives be impacted by something that you've done. I can tell you it'll impact your life. You just don't see it now and you don't see it at the beginning. I can tell you as we were changing our budget, we were frustrated and wanted to go out to eat all the time. And it's a reminder of it's not about me, it's about others. And just watching the way that Jesus portrayed how we should live, it's just that constant reminder of it. It isn't about me, it's about other people. God works in a number of ways and he gives you, as you're moving along the right path, a lot of times confirmation of, hey, you're on that right path. Um, sometimes you don't see it early on, sometimes it's tough, but certainly as you look back over the years, you'll, you'll see that joy and see the benefits uh, of that. Jesus invites us into a life that he would call more blessed, a life that Ryan and Lauren are living out, a life that Brian and Sherry Lowe are living out, a life of generosity, a life that goes beyond me and what do I want, what do I need, and what can I receive, and it moves to what can I give. You know, I, I actually get this question a lot. Um, Hey, Danny, if, okay, if you're telling me to get out of debt, debt snowball, should I tithe while I'm trying to get out of debt? Should I be generous and at the same time do the debt snowball? That's a tough question. And my answer is just, I'll just speak to it from my life experience. When Jackie and I were in tons of consumer debt early on in our marriage, car payment, student loan payment, brand new mortgage, some credit card debt. I was challenged by the founding pastor, Pastor Jim Devaney, to return the tithe. And on, quite honestly, it didn't make sense on paper. It's like, 
10% of our entire salary at that point as a young 22-year-old, 23-year-old, 24-year-old kid. It just was a lot of money. It was a lot of money. But it, I got to this point, my wife, I shouldn't say I did, she, she led the way. She said, we got to do this. We got to do this. Let's get out of debt. Let's do, the, let's do that part. But we got we to gotta be obedient to God and we have to trust God. We have to live the life of faith. So we did that. And now for 18 years or so, we see that, man, God was so faithful to us. As we return the tithe, we have always been blessed. And I'm so glad that we didn't wait. And say, oh, well, let's, let's wait on the church. Let's get out of debt first. So my, my counsel to you, my coaching to you, would be, would be to begin generosity and at the same time trust God to pay off the debt. You don't have to, you know, do what we did in the tithe. That's a huge jump for many, many people. But what about, what about 10% of 10%? What about $10? That's a, that is an easy on-ramp for, for all of us here. I would say most of us here. And we can begin to move that direction and say, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to take a, a baby step here. And I'm going to begin returning the tithe. We've, over, so far, we've had 167 families choose to do that. Will you do that? We're going to receive our offering now. And there's several ways that you can give. You can give as the buckets pass. You can give. You can go to our website, eclife.org. You can use the envelopes right in front of you to do that. You can also use our kiosks at all of our campuses. We have kiosks in the foyer you can use. Probably the simplest way that you can give is to text the word GIVE to 65248. And what happens is we send you a link. And that link brings you right to our PushPay app. And you can set up a $10 reoccurring gift or whatever reoccurring gift God leads you to set up make a reoccurring gift every single week and then you hit next and it literally takes less than a minute if you don't if you haven't put your bank information in there it takes a few extra moments but that's just a way to try to jump on board and and put some of what we're hearing into practice um, I, ho I hope that you'll do that I hope that you'll move towards a life of generosity so you can begin to live like Ryan and Lauren like Brian and Sherry Lowe. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for the words of your son who made it crystal clear. It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And so I pray today you would move on our hearts to become people who are generous. Help us to be disciplined to get out of debt, break free from the slavery of debt so we can be free to bless our world. We love you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. I don't know if it's because we've been talking about generosity or because we got Thanksgiving coming up, but I'm feeling pretty, pretty thankful today. You guys feeling thankful? A little bit, yeah? So I'm thankful for a few things. I'm thankful that we have families like the Lowe's and the Rollers who can show us exactly what a little bit of generosity and a little bit of sacrifice can do in the lives of other people. I'm thankful that we have people here who donated their time and their money to raise money, to raise awareness and to raise money for clean drinking water for families in Africa. We've got people who donated money for books for a local elementary school that didn't have a library. We've got student ministries that are trying to raise money for families on the east side this holiday season. I'm thankful for all those things. But I think the thing I'm most thankful for is that we serve a God who showed us what the ultimate sacrifice for others looks like. See, for those of you that are new, or those of you that don't know, Jesus Christ died for you, the individual. He died on a cross. He rose three days later. He took the penalty of your sin so that you could have eternal life 
with God. Is anybody thankful for that today? But for some of you, you haven't taken that next step in faith. You haven't walked towards that next step in your spiritual journey. We wanna give you the opportunity to do that today, right now, if you are ready. So I'm gonna say a simple prayer. You can follow along with me, take these words, make them your own, repeat after me, whatever you feel like you need to do. And for those of you that have already accepted a relationship with Christ, please pray for these folks. This is a pretty big moment for them. So let's bow our heads. Father, thank you so much for giving up your perfect son in my place. Thank you so much for all that you've done for me. I have sinned, I have made mistakes, but Father, today I am trusting you with everything I have for the rest of my life. Cleanse me of my sins, wash me, forgive me. And Father, show me what it is to walk alongside you every day for the rest of my life. And show me what it means to love others in a way that honors you. Father, it's in your name I pray, and I thank you for this moment. Amen. All right, now, if you just prayed that prayer, pretty big day for you, and we are excited. They're celebrating in heaven. We want to celebrate alongside you. Can we give it up for those folks who just made this decision? Yes. And if you are online and you just made this decision, yes, we're so excited for you too. Let us know. Drop us a line in the comments, and we would like to send all of you a free gift. We have a copy of the new New Testament that we would like to put in your hands. You can pick this up at the starting point tables in the back of the auditorium. Uh, we've got some friends over there in the corner. Head over there if you would like to.